Welcome to episode 44 of Comic Book Nation, the official podcast of comicbook.com. I am your host, the unmutable Kofi Outlaw, and with me today <laughs> is my co-host, Matthew Aguilar. What up? And from his world-spanning, scoop-breaking ventures out in the field, we brought back your all-day cowboy, one of the original trinity of Comic Book Nation. Brandon Davis is back here on I the also couch. love Chronic Book Nation. I love that as well. Did I, was, I say Chronic Book he Nation? He totally did. Oh, but hey, man. I mean, listen, kinda, it's going to be slip? a... We're a, taking this show to new heights. That's oh, the second man. show in a row that I've let something sit. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and the other host brought it Announcing <laughs> our new spinoff podcast That's for late right. night. Available now in Denver. Yeah. <laughs> in Denver, uh, Washington State. Uh, Portland. And coming soon to New York. But uh, and in all seriousness, this is Comic Book Nation, uh. and uh, <laughs> if you want to combine it with your own podcast, you know, yeah. I'm sure that helps our numbers. But uh, today we're going to be talking about a couple of exciting things, and weirdly enough, well, we changed some things up, but we had I had like an all Spider-Man tied podcast. Everything I had tied back to Spider-Man in some kind of way. All went to crud. Yes, well, it did go to crap because uh, we had a big announcement before we just walked in here, which is that. Superman, Henry Cavill, is getting into another big geek genre role. He's playing Sherlock Holmes. So let's just start there. Why not? Let's just throw out the plan and just get wild. I mean, this is 40, episode 44. So yeah, 44, man. Why Cannot not? believe we made it that far. Right? Neither can I. And we're still not canceled. It's great. Um, or sued. But where were we at? Or sued, yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. that is another one. Yeah. But uh, yes, Henry Cavill is playing Sherlock Holmes in an upcoming adaptation of the Enola Holmes series. If you're not familiar with this book series, it is by Nancy Springer. And Enola Holmes is Sherlock Holmes' younger sister, and to play Enola Holmes in the series, we're also getting another big casting. Millie Bobby Brown from Stranger Things fame and uh, Godzilla. Godzilla 2 infamy mm. now uh, <laughs> is going to be playing Enola Holmes. So this is another kind of iteration of the Sherlock Holmes brand that we're going to be getting. Um, you know, we just had this breaking news, so I didn't have my homework. Is this a TV show or like a movie? I guess those are basic questions that like, <laughs> I should probably answer as the host. Uh, I don't. I don't actually know. I didn't. I didn't see that part of it. I mean, I am excited for this, uh, mostly because I think Cavill's been. Is it okay? Can we address? Is it Cavill or Cavill? Because I've heard this like multiple ways I in the office. Cavill. Is I it Cavill? Know. All right. Is it Zendaya? Oh, it's Zendaya? legendary. So I'm assuming it's a movie. Okay. Nola Holmes. But I'm very excited about this because. I mean, one, we're going to get him as Geralt in The Witcher. Very excited yeah, for that. Cool. And now we're going to get him as Sherlock Holmes. I'm a Sherlock Holmes. Like, it's kind of like Robin Hood. Like, I'll go see that regardless of what it actually ends up being. I just hope for the best. This actually sounds like it might be fun. Yeah. And I love having, like, I want to be Henry Cavill's agent who, like, it's just like, look, these geeks just keep dropping money. Like, here's how we're going to get this next money. Superman money. <laughs> yeah, oh, but my problem, spy, my only problem with this. They're not giving you James this. Bond? Fine, we got the man from Uncle Money. Now we're getting Witcher oh, yeah, money. I forgot he did that. Wait, my yeah. only problem with this, and I'm sure it'll be great, is that Henry Gavel continues to do everything except play Superman. Well, I know. That's not on but him, that's though. that's not his that's fault. I know. Well, it's frustrating. It is frustrating. It's very I get frustrating. That. Like, I'm not mad at Henry Cavill for it. Yeah. I'm just mad in general. Like, you're going to give me Charlie. You're about to Stop. give me Charlie levels of trigger right now about this. <laughs> because, yeah, I feel some kind of way because I'm a man of steel, like, defender. I love. Same. I liked Henry Cavill as Superman, like, and the fact that he's just been kind of screwed out of that career, mm -hmm. has, it just, it really does boil my blood. Even if you didn't like Man of Steel 2, 
there, I don't think there were very what? many people who ever argued that you couldn't take Henry Cavill, put him in the hands of another director for Man of Steel 2, and give us a good Superman movie. So Let Chris McQuarrie make a Man of Steel 2. Let I, Matthew Vaughn make Man of yeah, Steel 2. Yeah, Matthew Vaughn, I was sold as soon as but I started But that's not happening. That. But it's not happening. Yeah, so exactly. Sherlock Holmes. So, so if so, I have so to if have... I get if I get Matthew Vaughn on a Sherlock Holmes movie with Henry Cavill, that'd be... Freaking awesome. I do like that they're taking this way, though, because there is the looming, you know, Robert Downey Jr., Sherlock yeah, Holmes sequel. And on top of that, Sherlock or is still popping. And on top of that, Elementary yeah. became a very successful but show. I love all those things because yeah, they're all so a little I. different. Yeah, they're all yeah, a little So it's like somehow we're not, we're not like overloading on Sherlock Holmes. And this is another great way to get in the franchise, yeah. like you said. Um, and Millie Bobby Brown is a star. So, mm -hmm. like, I know she will nail this. And the thing about Henry Cavill that's so good is, like, he's a great action star. I mean, the man looks like he stepped off a superhero mold when he's been hitting the gym he's and awesome doing that. Mission Impossible, man. Um, yeah. Great. And, like, the jaw He's great line. in Man From U.N.C.L.E., too. Say what yeah, you want exactly. about the movie. And that's the point. He's in, great. In Man From U.N.C.L.E., he's also, like, so charmingly yep. British when he wants to be. Yep. Like, and that's what he was in Man From U.N.C.L.E. So to see him play Sherlock Holmes, I mean, he, he has that charm, too. So, like, it's I'm interested who Watson's going to be. Yeah, yeah, as always, we want to know more. John C. Riley. And uh, what's his name? Oh, no, yeah, no, I was like, is it really? <laughs> I can't. I would like to see who, if they include, uh, what's his kind of love interest, his name? Um, uh, Irene or whatever her name is, the thief that he yeah. loves, like if she was in there. The one who Amy McAdams played. Yeah, Rachel McAdams yeah, played. Rachel, yeah. sorry. Yeah, sorry. Um, like Eileen Adler or whatever her name is. Um, I forget her name. But uh, if. I think you had it. I maybe I, I just trust nothing because then I listen back to the podcast and there are fifty people coming for me. Zelda two, yeah, Zelda two, right? So, oh uh, yeah, all this sounds interesting. So I mean, that's a good start and a, and like you said, a good way back into the Sherlock Holmes franchise. So yeah, looking forward to that and congratulations, Henry Cavill, on another casting. Please let this man play Superman sometime again, sooner before later, before I'm geriatric. Thank you. We're getting old. Moving on. Speaking of geriatric, geriatric. We got a new trailer for Charlie's Angels today. <laughs> Matt, the level of excitement in your so face pumped. right now. I'm so pumped. And the fact that I actually probably need to re-watch this trailer again is why I'm going to let you go first and kind of talk about how you felt about this. Oh, well, I mean, I've uh, ever since they announced the cast, uh, I've, been, I've been very, uh, I've anticipated this. Uh, mostly because also to Elizabeth Banks. This is her directorial debut, but I she has a level like of projects that she's involved in. Uh, she's you're looking, you're giving me a very quizzical. Is look. it her first movie? I thought it was her de direct director debut. Is it not? You continue. I'll look that up. Okay, look that up for me. I thought she did I, like Pitch Perfect. Is she direct those? I'm not sure. Or was she an executive producer? I'll look. Okay. This is our most prepared show. It ever. really is, boy. It really uh, is. Anyway, she is for directing. comicbook.com. Who's going to be the Elizabeth Banks expert at comicbook.com? I mean, it would probably I'm a big be. Fan, it would probably be me because she was Rita Repulsa in Power Rangers. That's fair. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no. she directed Pitch Perfect she did. too. She directed them. Uh, okay. And Movie Forty Three. So this is not her directorial debut. No, this is her biggest film. Yet. This is yes, definitely her biggest say. film. Yeah. Well, uh, but no, I mean, she even in the movies though that she just acts in, uh, she has a level of comedy of shining. She's hilarious. Yeah, she's great. So the fact that Charlie's Angel is in itself a action comedy, the past two movies I enjoyed, but were very much the level of uh, comedic. Uh, it's Mick the G. writing, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's Mick yeah. G. Yeah, this I when they announced her, I trusted that she would know how to implement that. Well, and the trailer's great at that. Like, it has some really fun action moments, unconventional ones, especially with Kristen Stewart. 
uh, who I think will surprise a lot of people. It's already surprised a lot of people from the trailer. Uh, and then I am a huge Naomi Scott fan. I think she's going to kill it, especially in a more comedic role because the role she's taken so far have been kind of very confident, very assertive characters. Did you like her in Aladdin? Oh, yeah. I loved her. She's she great. Awesome. Yeah. And, but that role too, right? That yeah, role, she's Kimberly, great. she's very much like assertive, confident. This, she's playing completely against type, but I think she's going to be great. Like, it was fun. Like, I really just had a smile on my face. Yeah, it was kind of like, it was kind of like Mission Impossible mm -hmm. Man from, um, well, Man from Uncle E, <laughs> like, in a good way, kind of yeah. like a modern spy thing. But, Stylish, uh, but not over-stylized. Yeah, and it had the thing that I like is, like, the charm of, like, Melissa uh, McBride or, and uh, uh, McCarthy. God, I'm McCarthy. We I'm are falling We are apart. knocking it out of the park I'm falling today. apart. <laughs> is, I'm never going to make it to episode Is Carol 50. a Charlie's Angel now? <laughs> we are killing it today. Yeah, I know. Sorry. Uh, it's she always. could be, by the way, yeah. She could be a kick-ass Charlie's Angel villain. She but, would uh, beat all of them up. That's what I'm saying. She'd be an awesome villain. Yeah. But, uh... Uh, Melissa McCarthy, like spy, like the movie Spy, mm -hmm. like has film. this kind of kind of charm, which was a great rated R kind of like spy yeah. comedy. Um, so yeah, so it, this was unexpectedly good and really kind of fires me up for a new Charlie's Angels take. And I liked the first Charlie's Angels when we mm -hmm. came up. Full Throttle was one of the worst things I wanted to gouge my eyes out at. Okay. About a year uh, ago, did you think you'd be saying? I'm fired up for a new, new Charlie's Angels take. No, but that's why I love cinema. You never yeah. know. The things you think you're going to be fired up for are crushing, soul-scarring disappointments, and the yeah. things you never saw coming turn out to be great. Yeah. And I love the take on Bosley as far as, like, Bosley being a rank and not a person so they can implement Patrick Stewart as yeah. a Bosley. <laughs> like, you know, Hansu is a Bosley. It's like, yeah. it, that's so cool because you have all these different personalities and not just one yeah. Bill Murray-ish character. There's smart off. updates to the yeah. Charlie's Angel concept and like some kick-ass action. And the three girls look really good together. Uh, yeah, Kristen Stewart looks like she's going to walk off with this in some ways of uh, being a real scene stealer. So that's going to be, that'll be good. Get her that Catwoman role in the Batman, you know. <laughs> hey man just throw that grenade in the room team, team say, Legends team let's Legends. keep it moving next one is just a PSA <laughs> just putting that out there this next one is just a PSA real quick uh, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse is now on Netflix uh, we talked about that movie when it came out uh, I can't say enough good stuff about it uh, Spider-Man Far From Home, we will be reviewing that. I probably should have mentioned that at the top of the show. We will be reviewing, spoiler-free, Spider-Man Far From Home, but you probably knew because you clicked on it and it's the title of this episode. So here we are. Are we um, positive that Into the Spider-Verse is out? I just want to make sure with our with our run so far, <laughs> I want to double-check and make sure oh we got God. that right. I mean, our article, <laughs> our article right? is titled Spider-Man Into okay. the Spider-Verse is now on sure. Netflix. We I don't haven't... think they, I mean, how much can we clickbait ourselves? <laughs> like, I don't know. Do we haven't been on the ball yet? It's Just out. making sure. It's All right, out. good deal. So it's good to know. If you're hyped for Spider-Man Far From Home, which we will be spoiler-free reviewing in a minute, but uh, you can't wait and you need something and you missed, and if you did not see Spider-Verse, and I know the worldwide total, so I know not everybody listening saw that yeah, movie. For real. Check it out and be willing to say, like, man, I should have caught this in theaters. Because uh, while it's going to be great and I'm going to be at home with my kids watching it on Netflix... I mean, this definitely was one to catch in the theaters in, in 3D. Uh, it was really like a comic book come to life. And one of the best Spider-Man stories hand down across any medium I've seen ever told. Um, so, like, yeah. Be sure to check out Spider-Verse. What are you guys' impressions now that we've had a, some months in separation from this movie? Okay, Spider-Verse? Yeah. It didn't make enough money. No. 
Like, I mean, for as good and well received and well as that movie winning was, Oscars, yeah. it wasn't, it didn't make enough money. I don't know why either. Like, why, why do you think it didn't I think, perform? I think there was a lot of saturation in the winter and fall seasons with a lot of big movies coming out. And I think oh. this one was the dark horse that people, like, I didn't think this was going to be a good movie until I started seeing film Twitter reactions to people saying they cried and it was the best and it deserves Oscars. And I was like, what? And I went out and saw it and I was like, okay, like, yeah. But it was a dark horse. Like I also think it's hard to sell animated comic book movies. Yeah, it's it's look at how many great animated DC movies there are. They mm-hmm. don't they don't fly off the shelves. Yeah, you know. So I think I think that's a factor. Yeah, and like but it's this a great one, film. And this one was so unique. Like this was different. Like you actually had to commit. Like this wasn't. We're so ingrained to see like Marvel and DC movies and stuff. Like yeah, like BD's saying this was an animated movie. It was done in this really kind of crazy style. And like a Spider-Man that that people don't necessarily know in the mainstream. Yeah. I mean, this is Miles Morales' attempt to break into the mainstream. And it's just crazy because they did everything right as far as like that art style was so bold and yeah. different from everything else. Like I, I can't think of something they did wrong. But that's like, the price of trailblazing. Yeah. Like trailblazers are, are rarely rewarded as highly as everybody else who copies them thereafter. Like, that's true. Now that people saw Spider-Verse and saw how you can literally make a comic book come to life and do that, you know, the next few people will probably make a lot more money with it. And then they can also reference, oh, hey, remember, everyone missed out on this. Yeah. Go see ours because you... Exactly. And that's just the way it happens. I mean, it's so hard to describe. Like, until I sat down, people were telling me about it, but until I sat down and actually saw it, like, I, I couldn't understand what they were trying to describe fully. Not in full measure. Like, when you actually experience it, it's so cool. But um, yeah. So but now I, you have a chance. It was successful Netflix. enough that we're getting a we're sequel. getting a sequel, sequel and, and a spinoff. Oh, Spider Ham's a star. I mean, he's around my house right now, and my kids love Spider Ham. So Spider, I just hope the third Spider Man movie is Spider Man bringing home the bacon feet. Spider Ham, get it? I will. God. Yes, I do. Oh. And one, I will go see that in a heartbeat. <laughs> it's Spider Ham. You know, like yeah, I, weren't I, you, you know the guy who laughed him? about Chewie eating porgs though? I wish Chewie would have. Uh, <laughs> that was really funny. <laughs> more books. I wish the lightsaber ignited and went straight through the port. All right, so check out Spider-Man on the Spider Into the Spider Verse on Netflix if you haven't experienced it. Uh, another PSA we have is from Matt, who's going to be taking us over Ooh. to WWE for some important announcement. Yeah, mm. WWE floored everybody today by announcing that uh, they're going to have Paul Heyman. Uh, who many will know from being the advocate of Brock Lesnar on current TV, but also one of the masterminds behind ECW, a classic uh, imprint of wrestling. Uh, And then also Eric Bischoff are going to be essentially executives for the two brands. So Paul Heyman is going to be an executive on Monday Night Raw and Bischoff who many, I don't know if you know who Eric Bischoff is, but essentially like one, of the, the, name, one of the masterminds behind when WCW rose to power. Yeah, that's why I know down the name. WWE. That's why I know the name. And, you know, a lot of all the Monday Night War stuff and, and Nitro and bringing over Scott Hall and Kevin Nash, all that stuff is, you know, I'm not saying it like he's the sole reason. I'm just saying he's a big part of it. Um, so and then he's also been part of WWE in the past. Uh, for small stints, and all of those have been entertaining. So he will be uh, the executive for uh, SmackDown Live. And they haven't, like, announced when that's going to kick in, uh, but, you know, WWE's been struggling as far as certain storylines and and keeping the hype for those shows and, and wasting some of their amazing talent. So people are very hopeful that these two, because they know the business, they know how to book themselves, they've done it already in the past and shown that, 
if they get a, a hold of these and if Vince McMahon actually lets them, which is also a big big you know, if, if yes. Mr. Micromanager. Yeah, lets them actually make you know, substantial decisions and kind of run with some things. And also, and Jim pointed this out earlier, and this is also a good point. If, if Bischoff uh, avoids just bringing in a bunch of old stars, because ironically, that's what WWE is doing now. And that's not necessarily working. So if he can hold on that, not just go get Hogan or Nash or whatever, and bring them in to do little poppy stuff, this could be really cool. So I'm very excited for this. This This is a big deal. All right, so that's what's going on in the WWE corner. Thank you, Matt. Yeah. All right, so stay tuned because when we come back, we are going to give you guys a spoiler-free early review of Spider-Man Far From Home, so be sure to check that out. Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time. Time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. All right. That was an extra long pause. I think I just fell asleep there for a second. Uh, Spider-Man Far From Home. So this movie picks up after the events of Avengers Endgame. It is our first look at the MCU after all of those big changes. And it is also the sequel to Homecoming in a lot of ways and takes a lot of those storylines that kind of began in that movie and continues them through this. Uh, we're going to start with Mr. Brandon Davis, who reviewed the film for us on comicbook.com, and uh, tell us your impression, BD. It's a good movie. Awesome. <laughs> uh, no, I... I uh, and it, that's it. It's really, really good, man. I mean, I just think it gets better as it goes. Uh, I've seen huge, it now twice. I've yep. seen it twice now. I'm a huge Homecoming fan, which I know... Is, is I've learned is less common than I thought. Yeah, I was really confused. I thought you were not, but no, it turns out I, Matt's the secret hater. I'm not a secret hater. I'm the other big Homecoming fan in here. I am a huge Homecoming fan. I think Homecoming was great. I think um, Homecoming did a really good job of balance, of showing Peter trying to balance the choice of being a hero or being a teenager, because being both is basically impossible. So this movie, he's already as Samuel L. Jackson improvised, went to space. And he's fought with the Avengers, and he's been to Titan, and he's done all these things. So it's harder to be a teenager. You, he really is Spider-Man now. But it does a good job of raising the stakes, making it bigger by traveling the world, uh, balancing characters as individuals, not just as superheroes, and bringing in that decision of trying to be a teenager, but now it's not even a choice anymore. He's obligated to be a superhero, but he still is flirting with that choice because he wants to be with his friends. He wants to go on a field trip, and it's a lot of fun. It, I mean, 
these movies kind of take you back to high school in a way. I mean, not that we were swinging from buildings and being superheroes. You were But just in the choices that you, you were making socially, you know what I mean? Yeah. And, and trying to find yourself and trying to find your friends and all that. The, both of these movies have done that, and they've done it in ways that are fresh. None of it felt repetitive to me. And, I mean, also, I'm a huge Iron Man fan. So if you're um, a purist and you want Spider-Man's story to be what it is from the comics... You're going to get deviations that Tony Stark is basically Uncle Ben. Yeah. Yes, he's carrying a BFP suitcase. Uncle Ben died somewhere along the way. We don't see it. We're getting that treatment from uh, from Tony Stark. And I'm fine with that. Mm -hmm. Like, I think it works. It's a remix of the story. I don't want the same story every time. It was also a major part of the 2000s Marvel comics. Like, Tony's mentorship of Peter Mm -hmm. was, like, a big deal in those. Yeah, and it works really, really well. And, I mean, at times, it does feel similar to Iron Man movies. But it does it, in, I think, in a self-aware way that's not too heavy-handed. That but doesn't why over- is that? Like, why, do you, why does it feel similar? Is it because Happy's in it? Is it because that... Be- because, of, I mean, they outright I mean, bring it, in... Yeah. I don't want to spoil anything, but they outright bring in elements of Iron Man movies, Okay, both within yeah, universe yeah. and for the moviegoer, Okay, that just make it feel like an Iron Man movie. Yeah. Um, and you'll he, know what I mean when you see the movie. And there's an attention behind it because yeah. the story is about Peter, whether Peter can measure up to being Iron Man. And like, there's a lot of that that kind of forces the story to kind of play. There are elements of the universe that come into play, but there's elements of just Peter's story of trying to live up to Tony Stark and the fact that Tony Stark has kind of given him this responsibility in more ways that you learn throughout the film. Um, that run deeper for Peter that he kind of has to live up to. And like Brandon said, is like his uncle Ben almost. Um, And so it does, there are purposeful homages to, to Iron Man throughout, not just a character, but to the movies throughout this film. So it's organic to the, yeah, it all fits. I think it all fits. Yeah, no, it all fits. Ever takes it away from being, it's very purposeful. It's a Spider-Man movie. Influenced by the previous events of the MCU, very heavily influenced, but it's. I don't think it was more than other movies we've seen. I mean, the way Iron Man three was influenced by the Avengers, but it was still an Iron Man movie. I a think that's bad, a fair yeah. comparison. So, but all that said about him being an individual, not being a superhero, and all these other characters, Zendaya's great, Jacob Balon's great, Tony Revolori's great. I think the movie is even more fun, and I I love those parts a lot. But I think I even like the movie more. When he is Spider-Man, when we're, when Spider-Man's on the screen, I feel like it's it's full speed and it's great. And Jake Gyllenhaal comes in as Mysterio, instantly one of my favorite MCU characters. He is great. Jake Gyllenhaal plays this role. There is one moment where it because it's so complex, and his his take on this character is just fully shown off, and it's great. It just shows you what Jake Gyllenhaal can do. And he is great in the role. This, the costume looks amazing. The effects are great with Mysterio. Um, and I think that I want to see more of him. I, I want to bring him back to the MCU. And I don't know if they're going to, but I hope they will. Yeah. And it, it's just a complete story. Start to finish is great. And, and then when it's done, you're like, wow, that movie was great. And then it gets better again. Because the post-credit scenes, I think, are the two best post-credit scenes in the MCU's history. Wow. Yeah, the two, okay, yep. Um, Trying to build on that and avoid spoilers at the same time is a Spider-Man swing in and of itself. But uh, yeah, I agree with a lot of what BD said. Um, Far From Home, I like how it, it 
we're not, we are used to Marvel sequels having almost, it's like a legacy that almost every Marvel Cinematic Universe sequel, especially sequels to like really good first standalone films, mm-hmm. has to then do this thing of taking a character and putting them into the larger MCU yeah. in a way. And that could get really sloppy and really tricky. Um, you can either have real bad kind of mess ups like Iron Man 2 in a way, or you can have real big successes like Winter Soldier, yeah. who uh, kind of opened the door to a lot for Captain America and completely changed that franchise around from the first film. And like, yeah. So I think home, or Far From Home does a pretty good job of doing that. I mean, there are so many demands from so many other Marvel movies. I mean, just the first act of this movie is literally just kind of clean up and bring you up to speed from Avengers Endgame and explain in a way, like, almost hilariously hit all the points that, like, people have been asking. Which I've heard is some people approach as a negative. Did it come forced to you or no? I mean, it was necessary because you have to reestablish. I mean, this, this film is part of a shared universe, and that comes with obligations. Yeah. If after something like Endgame, which gets the freedom to end itself, like, boom, with so many unanswered questions, Far From Home has to do the work of picking up and basically being like, last time on the Marvel Cinematic Universe, <laughs> and then being like, and here's the thing, and it, and it does, it does, and it does it f- in a funny, succinct way okay. of kind of doing it. They don't just, it's not like, Oh my God! Exposition like I'm going to die. It's very similar to what Homecoming did about Civil War. Yeah, it's very similar. Okay. Yeah, and it works. Yeah, Homecoming well, handled because, Civil War really because it well. it never it it never like BD said it never John Watts never gets away from grounding this into a high school experience. So we get kind of caught up on the MCU from the perspective of these Midtown Science students, which yeah. is hilarious because of the way they frame it and do it. Um, it shows you all these major events and explains a lot of things, but it's from these teenagers' perspective, and it's and it's really funny. Um, so that's the way they get around that. But that's the obligations of the first act before you really kind of get out of the end of the first act and into the story in the second act. Um, but like, and it moves yeah. fast. And it moves fast. The yeah. first act moves fast. A yeah. lot happens in the first act, exactly. and then they're on a trip to Europe before you know it. Yeah, and it's it over was two like, hours long, and it goes fast. And ironically, there's so much that there was in there in that first part that they cut out a whole bunch that yeah, they're actually that, making into a short film called Peter's To Do List, which will be we've confirmed will be included on the uh, Far From Home Blu-ray. Yeah, because uh, there's scenes you saw in the trailers, like even big action scenes that aren't in the film. That are going to be kind of condensed into this story of how just how hectic it was for Peter Parker to get the hell out of get everything, get the hell out of New York, and take a vacation. (laughs) Um, And and this kind of conveys all that, but we got to get moving. So like it does kind of just shave off some of the prep and get you because we got to do fill in all the end game stuff and get where Peter is and then get to Europe. And I really have a feeling that going forward, I mean, this is the end of Phase Three, but it's the first post End Game movie. That this will be probably by far the smallest, and it's a big, it's a global movie, but I think it'll be the smallest MCU movie. Be- not because there are teases in this film for what's next, which you'll see, but also, I mean, even Black Widow, I think, like, I think from now on, everything is just going to be huge. I don't think we'll see, like, Iron Man movies or, or you know, like, where it's just isolated to one no, location. Steadily, one, I, I don't think we can do that anymore. Everything has to be an event for one reason or another. Yeah, uh, I really do think so. Be- Black because Panther, of whether where it's, it's a cultural to. event or a significant giant MCU event or some, some, something like that. Black Panther like is event. probably the one character who could get away with it at this point. 
assuming that it's a post-endgame setting because Wakanda is its own... Yeah, but still, it has to but be some kind of event. It, yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. they have to do something to pump it up, like with steroids now. Like, I mean, that's just where we're I mean, going. It's, it's hard to talk about this and make my points without spoiling anything. Yeah. I don't know. But, I don't know if I, if I buy that. I don't know if I... I think at some point in Phase 4, they will probably, just because they're going to be most likely be building up some very obscure characters, I think they would kind of need to ground it in something smaller. I mean, I know some of the ramifications from this already. We're but, not, but we're not just talking about the film itself, but yeah. I'm talking about like the, the framing and marketing. Like, even if you just do Eternals, like Eternals is going to be a vent but with Eternals the amount of big a, names that they're going to throw at you. Eternals like, is a very, I mean, though, big concept Yeah, exactly. Well. But you're not, you're saying Shang you're not going to get won't another be Shang Chi. It'll be the first Marvel movie with a majority Asian cast, Asian director, and that'll be So you're like, saying from a cultural perspective. I said any of the, any way they can spin it, it has to be an event. Well, you know what I mean? Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I think there will still be some smaller. Like nobody just said, hey, Captain Marvel is just a story that's coming out, like. Captain Marvel was no, the but first Ant Man and the Wasp female. was like that. The first Ant Man was like that. Like those, there are smaller movies that no, you're just I, introducing. I, yeah, a I'm saying I don't think we'll yeah. see just smaller movies coming. And he's saying around those are going to come to an end. But I think they will. I more think contained will. focuses. I think you still will because some characters kind of need that. They they can't be introduced into a larger scale thing without getting lost. And if they're going to keep introducing, I think characters like Namor characters. or Nova or Shang Chi will require good bits of focus and yeah, and like Shang Chi. But especially. I just I think they're going to be big. I think they're going to find ways to make them big. Uh, I mean, I'm in agreement with BD yeah. on this one. But just to finish up what I say about Far From Home, um, the one thing I have about Far From Home is while BD liked the bigger scale and the world hopping, the kind of James Bondiness of it, like I actually prefer homecoming and the smaller intimate neighborhood spider-man story uh because I, I i really do attach to the more grounded high school kid in the neighborhood just trying to live life and and balance this other identity thing about spider-man is what always spoke to me uh and you don't lose that here it just feels it doesn't feel like it's as much of the heart and focus of it on the bigger scale of of the world traveling. Homecoming gave me one of my favorite MCU scenes, and that's the scene with uh, Vulture and Peter in the car yeah. on the way to Homecoming. And the tension in that scene and the, the music and the, 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 the traffic light changing on his face and just the everything about that scene, from how it was written to how it was acted to how it was shot to how it was composed, I thought was one of the best MCU scenes. Yeah. And it, it, that scene itself propelled Homecoming to an even better movie. I don't think Far From Home had that moment. No. I didn't have a scene like that, but as a whole, I, I have to go with Far From Home. I, I just... And it's hard to from, talk about all the strengths of it without spoiling, but rest assured, this movie does... It, what, it goes in the opposite direction for spectacle, and some of the spectacle is just like, you know... I mean, just really kind of mind-blowingly awesome. It does, and I, I, it never takes you away from the story, though. No, that's why it works for me because there are movies that will be just spectacle. No. And, you have Godzilla, and, yeah. King of the Monsters comes out. It's all spectacle, and the substance doesn't work. The human stuff doesn't work. Nobody really cares. And I liked Godzilla, but it's, that's, that's a three out of five, four out of five movie, maybe four out of five. And that's but, kind of weirdly what I mean. I don't. I think there is that moment, like the car scene in this in this film, uh, which is kind of heading in when we're heading into the third act. Um, 
that uses the visual spectacle a lot. But like you said, I think why it maybe doesn't feel like the car scene is that was just grounded. I mean, that was just acting. Yeah. That was a power of Tom Holland and, more importantly, Michael Keaton kind of shining through. I, I think there is a great moment like that that is this moment of you know doubt with Peter and stuff like that. But there's just so much visual, visual spectacle that around, especially the first time, you're just trying to take this all in. Like, holy crap. Like, yeah. you know. I will say the uh, second then, time I watched it, man, it, it was I, I had more fun watching it the second time because I wasn't sitting there. There is a huge unpredictable nature to this film. I mean, even as a comic book fan, you go in and you think you know what's going to happen, but they find ways to surprise even the big comic book yeah. fans who have expectations for certain characters. Um, but watching it a second time, picking up on the Easter eggs, especially knowing the ending and knowing the post credit scenes, picking up on the Easter eggs was one thing, but just being able to sit back and watch and enjoy the acting and the performances and the jokes and the, and the action was I, it was, I liked it better the second time. Yeah, and I could very well vouch for that. Like, yeah, once the pressure's off, because there are some really mysteries and things and surprises to wrap your head around, like getting just down in to appreciate the craftsmanship of it and how they kind of adapt and realize certain things from the comics, it, it's going to be, it's worth appreciating. So we've, we've gushed. Do you have any criticisms you can think of? Um, just, just like I said, I think the setting of jumping from world to world, it's kind of... Uh, the same thing, I forget. What movie were we just talking about where they did the same thing? And I said it should have been... Oh, Men in Black. Yeah. It was Men in Black mm. International. And it's the same kind of thing. It's like, I think Homecoming got away a little bit more because it was still a very formulaic Marvel movie, but it got away with kind of like the intimate feel and the organic nature of like the comedy and the timing and, and the movement. But like this one felt more like set piece to set piece to set piece. In that progression, like, oh, we're at set piece two, and then I know set piece three is going to be coming. And, and the movie's very kind of chopped up like that, in the sense, like, we're, because it's literally like, we're in this city, now we're going to get an excuse to go to this city, and now we're going to get an excuse to go to this city so we can fight this monster here, this monster here, and this monster here. And it's very formulaic in that sense. So that just gave me some of the kind of, when I began to know that I, like, I'm watching a Marvel movie feeling. Um, so that was it. But, like... Once I got into each set piece, like, and things started to happen and it became more intricate, like, it actually was really good. And each set piece is memorable as opposed to Men in Black, which is so generic and kind of hollow that I forget half of where we went. Yeah. Like, I remember each set piece. Like, I remember what happened if Spider-Man's in the Netherlands or in, you know, Germany or in France. You know, like, I remember what each place was and, and memorable scenes and not just action, but, like, character moments and funny moments from each place and it is and in a weird way this is like euro trip with a with a superhero focus instead of like <laughs> a sex focus um but there is like a lot of funny kind of euro trip style gags about the places and the kids being in the places and stuff like that and so there's a lot of good stuff with that and um yeah uh i wish there was i liked zendaya and peter's story um, because of the nature of this story, I wish there could have been even more of that a little bit because I thought they did a good job and playing a very different uh, Peter and MJ dynamic than what we saw from Kirsten Dunst and Tobey Maguire um, because Zendaya's MJ is so different mm -hmm. uh, and also different than Andrew Garfield and Emma Stone. Does Tom Holland just have instant chemistry with anybody on a set? I think he's very charming and can do that. Like, yes. Really? I mean, da I mean, it doesn't seem, it's probably not hard to have good banter with Robert Downey Jr., but I mean, 
Zendaya, Jake Gyllenhaal, Jacob Batalon. I mean, you put them up against anybody. Yeah. And there's instant, like... They and his with Zendaya is so good because it's so awkward. Like, they're just... Yeah. It's so funny because they're just two geeks, yeah. like, trying to connect. He has such a good little happy skip, too, when something yeah. happens. Like, he does it, like, three times this movie. Yeah, they're... Yeah. And so, like, I wish there was a little more of that. But uh, I like where the story brings the two of them and that whole story. And, I, and I'd be really excited to see... Especially, you know, oh, I can't say. Yeah. Excuse me, no love for uh, Vulture's daughter, Liz. How quickly Peter moved on. No, oh, yeah. <laughs> they don't address her at all. No, uh, I talked to, I asked John Watts about that. And he would, he would love to bring her back. Um, he, he wouldn't tell me whether she got snapped or not. But I was like, so did Liz get snapped out there? She moved to Oregon, right? And he said something along the lines of like, well, if she didn't. Then she could actually play a character her age because she was five years older than everybody in the first movie. <laughs> so now she could just play her proper age, Laura Harrier. We'll see. Maybe she, I, I wouldn't be surprised if we see her again because I imagine we're going to see Vulture again. Yeah, I mean, so, I imagine we'll see Vulture again eventually. Yeah, and Liz I will come so. back and she'll be like, "Wait, Peter, you're still 16. I just bought a beer." <laughs> <laughs> oh man but uh yeah you can't even buy cigarettes so uh yeah i mean that'll be the thing and the suits i'll say the suits i mean there are four suits in this movie but that's to sell toys like there didn't need to be four suits in this movie Is there four uh oh, yeah, yes yes there's four. Oh I, yeah yeah there's four. He, yeah there's the iron spider the classic the stealth and the in the new black and red suit and there's also the original sweatsuit spider-man yeah sweatshirt spider -Man. oh yeah 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 so uh, technically there's five so i think i mean the suits are obviously merchandising yeah. gimmicks and i don't think they you needed four suits in this story but uh you know whatever. if the hardcore uh spider-man fans who both like Especially the video game fans. There's a couple Easter eggs for them. Oh, yeah. There's some great Easter eggs. Spider-Man game fans. Not just like, the recent one, but then older Spider-Man yeah. game, too. I mean, you'll, I don't want, I'll, we'll talk about yeah, this. Yeah, we'll talk about spoilers we get to and the, Easter uh, eggs and discussions. We're going to do a whole episode of spoiler discussions next week when you guys have all had a chance to And then on, uh, on July 7th, we'll also have a special Comic Book Nation episode. It's a Sunday, but uh, we're not allowed to talk about spoilers from interviews yet. But on Sunday, we'll have Kevin Feige and Amy Pascal. Full interviews are going to yeah. be up in one place. Listen, man, nice. when I've been telling you that Brandon Davis has been out there all day cowboying for <laughs> us, we're not kidding. Like, we got stuff for you. Like, yeah, we have a whole special episode talking with the head, like, you know, Amy Pascal, head of Sony, Kevin Feige, head of Marvel Studios, and we're going to have plenty of juicy Spider-Man dish to talk about when we can drop full spoilers, so be on the lookout for that. All right, before we say too much and get, in, like, get too crazy... Ooh. Uh, final thing I'll say is you absolutely have to sit through this movie the all the way to the end, all the way to the end of the end. Until they kick you out of the theater. Yeah, and they take until the, the lights come on. I mean, they were trying to turn the lights on on us. Really? Yeah. really? yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. And we were like, bro, what are you doing? Yeah, I walked here? out yesterday because we filmed fan reactions to it. And uh, a couple people saw me walk out. And they like followed me because I guess it figures over. And I was like, guys, there's a there's another scene. You're going to want to stay seated. And then they walked out, and they were like, oh, my God, thank you for telling me. That was so good. So, I, yeah, yeah, this good. is like yeah, this is top tier Marvel post credit scenes. These are not a waste of your time. Go and check those out. Um, because, yeah, yeah, I mean, if you want to know. Oh, just stop. Just stop yeah, there. Stop there. There's stop some, there. That's the end. Yeah, that's the end until the spoilers discussion. I almost went too far, but, like, yeah, that's the end. So, if you want to know more, be sure to check in in our full Spider-Man Far From Home spoilers, that, spoilers discussion coming up next week. All right, that'll do it for us here on Comic Book Nation. If you are just getting into this journey because you hopped on, you saw something like Spider-Man, be sure to just subscribe to us and make sure not to miss an episode. 
We post new episodes every Wednesday and Friday on comicbook.com where we have an RSS feed you can subscribe to. Or you can subs- or ah, my mouth is gone. Or you can subscribe on your favorite <laughs> listening platform. Really iTunes, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Google Playlist, <laughs> or tell any Amazon Alexa device to play Comic Book Nation podcast and it'll fire it up for you courtesy of iHeartRadio. I learned that part. So you gotta really throw in. Shout out to my Uber here. driver who promised to start listening. Awesome, hey, Uber go. driver. Yeah. yeah. If you guys leave us a great five star review on your listening platforms, Bob, let's just say iTunes. If you leave us a five star review on iTunes, we will send you some comic book swag when we read the reviews on the air. And we have new Comic Book Nation official T-shirts. If you didn't see me wearing one the last episode. Yo, they are badass. Make sure you get one with just a five-star review. That's all you got to do. So leave one. If you want to talk to us about anything we've been talking about, ask any questions about things like Spider-Man with, you know, spoiler-free, hit us up at hashtag ComicBookNation, or you can reach us individually. You can find me at Kofi Outlaw. You can hit me up at Matt AguilarCB. You can find me at Brandon Davis BD. All right. Like I said, that'll do it for us. We hope you guys get out, have a good weekend, eventually see Spider-Man, and join us here for the full spoilers breakdown discussion. This is Comic Book Nation saying, swip, swip, see you later. Deuce.